Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Welcome. This is your host, Irvin Lee of From Beer to the Bible. Super excited today. I have what I believe I have uncovered a great diamond, someone who is going to bless us with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of how to be fit and how to stay sober and how to walk prayerfully with the Lord God. My new friend, Melody, say hi. Introduce Hello. yourself. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Irvin. I'm so excited to be here. I cannot wait to get into it with you, but I have to share how we met. So I'm, I'm really posting ghosts on social media. I really just post the ministry content, but I happen to be scrolling one day and I see this light talking about her love of Christ and her women's Bible study group. And I'm going, Lord, we have to have her on the show. So I just took a leap of faith and we have to do that in life. I took a step of faith and I, I DM'd her and said, hey, would you mind being on our show? Uh, this weird show called From Beer to the Bible, where we love Christ and we talk about recovery in Christ. So uh, thank you for trusting us enough to come on and share your testimony. Well, and thank you so much for the opportunity and for such kind words. Um, yeah. And I'm excited that we have connected. Yeah. Well, give us a bit of your story. Let's just get into it. All right. Well, so my story, um, you know, from a very early age, I found that I was uncomfortable and I was, I, at a, at a very young age, I discovered what alcohol could do for me. Um, and I, at, at the age of 12, um, for the first time, drank at a party and got drunk. And I truly thought I have discovered what I needed to discover. Yeah. You know, it took me out of um, my reality at that point in life. And, um, and honestly, just gave me an internal peace around things that, that were going on. And I chased that for a long time. Um, you know, when you're that young and things are, you know, you're developing and you're growing and you kind of, you kind of, of um, halt that process yeah. when you, when you introduce that at such a young age. Um, and it did not lead me down a good path. You know, um, I was obviously, it didn't really escalate until I got a little bit older Um that I was able to do it more frequently when I was in high school. Um, but, you know, it was my solution for everything. It was my solution for sadness, for, you know, all of the emotions that yeah. we experience as humans. That was my solution. And um, it led down some pretty, some pretty dark roads. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know any other way because I had started it, you know, at such an early age. 
that was my only tool. I was raised in a church. We were at church um, three times a week. We were there on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. We did the whole, it was this duplicitous life kind of um, that I was living, um, you know, hiding it from my parents. It wasn't accepted in my household. So it was okay. hiding it. Um, and, you know, I was just a really looking back on you know, my high school years, um, I was just a really sad, depressed child um, that, that uh, you know, really didn't never, I never had learned how to express those things or um, try to figure out how to get help for that. So that was my solution. We're, you know, we're in this series where we're talking about being mad at God, being mad at God. So where was God? in all of this? Were you mad? Were you disappointed? What was your understanding of God's role and in, in how you're feeling and you're drinking and, you know, what would become your addiction? So, you know, what I think when I, at that point, it was the idea of, of God. I didn't ever have a personal relationship with God at that point in my life. So I saw God kind of as I saw other stories. I knew the concept. I knew the stories. I could recite what I needed to recite to, you know, get the approval of the Sunday school teacher, right. but it didn't mean anything to me. It was all just head knowledge. Um, and I wasn't experienced. I didn't have adults in my life really that, um, well, I'll, I'll just say that it to me was not it was not a personal relationship. It okay. was, there was God, here was me. I was not good. I knew the things I was doing were not right. And so he was probably mad at me. And so I just didn't, I didn't really acknowledge, I didn't really acknowledge anything about God. Um, you know, things came kind of to a, a, an abrupt reality when I went off to college. Okay. Um, I was, 18. I went off to college. It was 700 miles away from my house. And um, within the first six months of being in college, um, I found out that I was pregnant with uh, my boyfriend at the time. Okay. And so I'm 19 years old and I am, I'm pregnant and I'm, you know, I was still heavily drinking and, and, you know, but keeping up all appearances, my grades were great. You know, my parents still had no idea. Um, and when that happened for me, that was a huge, you know, life-changing moment. Um, my mom had always been pro-life. So I'd always been around, you know, I knew what abortion was. I knew all of those ramifications. I'd always said I was pro-life. Um, but you know, you really don't know what you are until you're faced with that situation. At least for me, that was my experience. Yeah. And, um, and I had a decision to make and, um, I was, it, I was in college in Mississippi and at that time they had a law that, um, I had scheduled an abortion and I went to the clinic and they did the ultrasound and, um, they had a law there where you had to wait 24 hours. I'd already paid for it. I'd already done everything. And you had to wait 24 hours though, before you actually went through with the procedure okay. after you do the ultrasound and that 24 hours saved my son's life. Um, because I went home and I just knew I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So I now, canceled. Did you it. pray or you just, how, how did that work? How did you... you know, I, um, I, for the first time I called my cousin who is actually now a preacher. Okay. 
and we were very close. And um, I called him and I told him that I was pregnant because I was, you know, the girls I was hanging out with in college, they, you know, few of them had had abortions already. And, you know, I was not in church. I was not surrounding myself. I mean, I was, I was going down this other path. Um, So I wasn't getting that kind of guidance from them um, to, to do anything other than to terminate. Um, But I called my cousin and I said, this is what's happened. And he said, well, you know, you know, you're, I mean, really couldn't, you couldn't really have an abortion. That wouldn't be, you know, what, what you believe or, you know, and it just made me stop and and realize, you know, I can't, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. Um, there was, I didn't, I didn't pray. I didn't ask God. I mean, I was so far at that point from God and I'd not yet had an intimate relationship with him that that wasn't a, that wasn't a thought that crossed my mind because I'd never really had that, you know? Okay. Um, but thank the Lord. Um, I, I, I did not go through with it and he's 29 years old today. Um, yeah, that was 29 years ago. Wow. Um, I believe you made the right decision and, you know, God honors and blesses you and you, now you have a beautiful treasure of a son. Absolutely. An incredible relationship with, with my son and, you know, um, that was when, you know, immediately when, when that happened, um, and I decided I was going to keep him, you know, the desire to go out, the desire to do all that left. I mean, I no longer wanted any part of that. I wanted to take care of him and I wanted to nurture him. And, um, so I moved back home at the time my parents were going through a divorce. They had been married 24 years. So it was a lot of, a lot of just, turmoil in my, in my family. And on top of that, you know, I'm now, um, 19 and, and, and pregnant. And, um, but, you know, after I had my son, that was really the first time that I started to really look at, at my life. Now I'm a mom. Now I'm responsible for this other human being. Now it's not just me living for me, you know, I've got to reevaluate things and, you know, I had always felt safe when I was at church. I just had this feeling of safety because that was, I was raised there. Right. Yeah. Although there was not that intimate relationship with God yet, that was, that felt safe. So I started going to church and, um, you know, I, I, at about when my son was about two years old, um, I had ended up, I had married his dad, but that was an abusive relationship. And so I left, I left that marriage. So now I'm a single mom and he's two. And, um, you know, I decided, you know, God, I, I need, I need your help. I need, I need to know about this type of relationship with you. I started seeking and I, I, you know, the Lord heard me and, and I got saved and I got baptized and I joined this college and career group at a church that I was involved in and really began to seek the Lord. Um, and, you know, I got involved at that point. I was no longer interested in drinking. I got involved in AA at that point. Okay. I went through the steps. I met a wonderful sponsor named Sherry, who we are still in contact today. Um, and that was that was when I was, you know, 22, 23. Went back to college. I got my degree. Um, and God was with me throughout. I mean, it was, it was, it was the very beginning of my walk with him. And now you have, at that point, how's the relationship 
And do you recognize that God really wants relationship versus religion? And I, I, I think, and I'm asking because it seems to be a common theme for us who fall into addiction. We see God is not a relationship God. Yes. What I used to think about God was that he was upset with me because of what I was doing. And he was up there with like a stick, just yeah. waiting to like, you know, bop me on the head because he was mad because of what I was doing, because of the way I was living. And like, I was full of shame. I was full of, um, you know, I think when you're full of shame, you don't want to go approach God. Right. right. For me, I didn't, I felt like I was not worthy. I felt like I wasn't being who he wanted me to be. And so rather than go and try and like fix that, I just, just avoided. And I, I feel like there was this big disconnect. And so, you know, when I was 22 and I, I began following him and I began to build this relationship, um, it was very different. Um, I began to incorporate him. Like you said, did you pray about it? I began to pray. I began to, um, slowly, slowly grow my walk with the Lord. Um, and I, I began to experience moments of that peace that passes all understanding. Yeah. Um, you know, I look back at that time in my life between 22 and 25 and I was a single mom. I was, I was working two jobs and I was in college to get my degree and I was a, a brand new baby Christian and I was NAA working steps. You were doing I had a lot going a on. Lot. And so, you know, I, I look back at that and I think, and I mean, I'm 22, so I can handle it. Right. I'm right. not how old I am now. So it, it was doable, but it was, it was a, it was a journey, but it, I look back at that and I, you know, a lot was vying for my attention. Um, at 25, when I graduated college, I ended up um, meeting somebody and, and we got married. And, and when I'm, when I, when we got married, I kind of took on the religion that he was a part of, which okay. was, um, which was very um, different than what I had been raised in. And I kind of, I kind of was trying to just ride the coattails of his religion. And so it kind of stunted things for me in my walk with God. Um, I turned back to drinking a few years later to resolve things that were happening um, that were, I was not able to speak about um, in the marriage. And unfortunately that took me right back down that path in a different, it looked different than it did in high school but it took me right down that path. Um, so the uh, pivotal, I guess the moment of, of change in the crossroads and the fork in the road was the relationship changed with Christ when you decided to take a turn in another direction and go towards another religion. It did. Wow. That, that's powerful because we all have those little moments when we make these decisions. And at the time they don't, feel and I've done, Hey, I've been there. Um, so I guess give us practical ad advice on how do we continue to maintain our, our walk when we're faced at, at these crossroads. That has been a journey and one that, you know, one of the things that I have, I discovered a few years ago and I just leaned into that has helped me and truly shifted the perspective I've had on 
everything. And that is to understand my true identity in Christ and who I am alone with what Christ says I am. And once I, I went down that path of, of trying to fully understand that, and it, it, it took me a little bit to get to that point. But when I fully grasp who Christ says I am in him, for me, everything changed. It changed my perspective on everything. It gives me the ability to have a boldness for him that I couldn't have before. It gives me my own, it's, you know, it's, it's just me and him. Mm -hmm. And I don't seek the approval of other people because my approval comes from him. And it, you know, it, it took, it took a lot of pain to get me to that point, um, of fully understanding that, but that has been a game changer for me. Wow. That that's powerful. That's a, that's a great word. So you, you get married and you start drinking again. And how long does it take for you to hit the bottom and then hit the reset button and get back with your relationship with Christ and then back into recovery? So, um, it took, it took a while. So I, um, I began using alcohol as a tool for, again, like what I had done previously for, you know, stress relief for, you know, anything that would happen. And I was not, I was able to, I used to like to say I was a functional alcoholic, which is a joke (laughs) because yeah, functional. I'm like, I can show up physically, but you can also be a very shallow human and just show up physically somewhere and not have any depth because of, of, of drinking. Um, but you know, it probably took about 10 years for it to really escalate. Uh, Let me back up one I got to give you a little bit more context of one other thing that happened. I had a sister who um, was two and a half years younger than me. And um, she, um, she struggled with alcoholism as well. And it's all through my family tree. So my dad showed me a picture one time of like nine old guys standing there in a black and white picture. You know, they're all, nobody's smiling. It's one of those black Mm -hmm. and white, you know, old days. And seven out of the nine died from alcohol related something. Okay. So it's definitely in my, in my genealogy. Um, but my sister also struggled and, um, you know, she, I was not in recovery when, when she was struggling, um, in 2005 and she, she ended up taking her life, um, which was devastating. Mm -hmm. Um, that was, you know, at a point in my, my life where alcohol was still my solution. Um, and so I didn't speak of her death. I, we moved a lot in that marriage and I would, we would move to a new city and there would be, nobody would know I had a sibling and they would ask. And I would just say, no, because I couldn't speak of it. I couldn't, I couldn't talk of it. So, and I did not process that until I get sober in 2015. Um, but I remember, I remember that woman, Sherry, I mentioned a little bit ago that yeah. I knew from when I was 22. I remember her saying to me when I got sober, finally in, in 2015, she said, you know, Melody, I thought when Cindy took her life, that was going to be a wake up call for you that like, this is potentially, you know, yeah. that that's, that's going to be the thing that did it. And what's so mind blowing to me still, when I think about it is that thought never crossed my mind that maybe that's, a reason to not drink any longer like that didn't that never even crossed my mind um so i would say that the last from 
2005 to 2015, that was that was one of the primary ways that I would cope with that when I would think about it. Um, a lot of the times I would just try to shove it down, but that was that was a coping mechanism. And um, you know, I'm so grateful that that God did it the way He did it um, with bringing me to my bottom. Um, I will say the last three years of my drinking. So I finally got sober in 2015. Okay. But the last three years of my drinking. Um, I had, I had a fitness company that was very successful. We had, you know, like 170 locations across the state of Texas. Um, and I was, I was running that for 10 years. Um, the last three years of my drinking, um, you know, became to the point where again, nobody knew I was a personal trainer. I was, right. I was your family, trying to help your husband, no one's husband. noticing anything. No. And it was not, it was not a daily thing. It was not a, even sometimes a weekly thing. I was okay. more of like a, a binge drinker where, you know, and, and I would just be able to manage how, you know, it, it came out. I mean, I, I, I don't know how people didn't know, but they didn't because, um, what happened was the last year of my drinking in 2015, um, it was the height of the business success. We had the most locations we'd ever had. We had the most trainers. We had we had just purchased a home that was the largest home we'd ever had. That was the year of the most internally, spiritually bankruptcy you can imagine for me. Wow. And I'm and so grateful. everything's going great on the outside, but you're you tell me how you're feeling on the inside. Oh, it was, it was terrible. Yeah. If you looked at a Facebook reel from that year of my life, you would have thought everything was, was amazing. Um, no, internally I was completely empty. I was, I was this, I, you know, if you ever had one of those Easter bunnies on the chocolate Easter bunnies during yeah. Easter time, you like poke a hole and it's empty on the inside. Uh -huh. It's just like this shell. Yeah. That is, that is how I felt as a human that last year of my drinking, I felt like I had no capability of truly connecting with another human. I was literally living this duplicitous life that was um, contrary to everything I was saying. I mean, it truly was a, a, a really awful experience, you know, but one of the blessings that came out of it being that year that I finally for the very first time was truly teachable, truly willing, truly open to doing whatever, because this had to stop. Where Now, where, where's the Lord in all of this? Are you talking to him? Are you in relationship? Are you mad at him? Disappointed? Calling on him? Where, where's the Lord? The Lord is still, I still feel like the Lord doesn't want much to do with me. So I still feel this because of this religion I've been a part of. There's a lot of shame involved in that. And so I felt like this black sheep that God probably is just like not interested, you know, not, it's not there yet. It's coming. It's okay. about to get here where, where I, I finally like it, it clicks. Um, the, the fact that I could be that internally bankrupt yet have all of these external things that the world says makes you happy. Yeah. The lesson that I learned in that is literally none of that stuff matters. It not one piece of it matters um, without relationship with Christ. Um, I raised my hand and I said, there was no catastrophic event. There was no DUI. There was no external ramification of my drinking that was 
known to the public or known to anyone, I went to my now ex-husband and I said, I've got a problem and I think I need to go and get help. And I told him how I'd been drinking and how I'd been hiding it. And um, so I found a treatment center here in Texas, um, La Hacienda, and um, I checked myself in. And, you know, it's, it's, I was like a sponge when I was there. I yeah. wanted, I wanted it so bad because I had been trying so hard on my own, minus God. Uh-huh. So that's a big, big caveat right there. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't trying to do this with the power of God. I was trying to do this on my own. And I had tried and failed so many times in that last three years of my drinking that I said, I've got to go somewhere. And so, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't have to do the detox thing because I wasn't physically addicted. Um, but when I went in there, I was a sponge and those counselors and those therapists for the first time, we looked at my sister's death. We looked at the things that, that, you know, all the things that were going on and, um, they, they helped me so tremendously, um, to see, and they taught me lessons and they taught me tools for living. And they taught me about the importance of community and the importance of relationship with God. And that this is a, a spiritual condition. And that this is, you know, all of the things that I learned, um, were invaluable. And I really say that, you know, I was 42 years old when I, when I went in and, um, I say that my life, you know, we had that, that, that glimpse of relationship with God at 22 and, and I was saved at 22, but then at 25, you know, I pretty much, pretty much put that on pause and yeah. tried to do things a different way. And mm -hmm. 17 years later, it doesn't work. It did not work. And so that was really the beginning of my understanding about this disease and understanding about shame and understanding that. God's been there the whole time. And it's been my own lack of willingness to invite him to be a part of and to come and, and all of that. That's really where it began. When it's time to surrender and seek a solution, mm -hmm. talk to our uh, listeners around the importance of treatment. Yes, prayer, God can do anything. But a lot of times, the Lord takes us to through a process of healing. So I want you to talk about the importance of surrendering and seeking treatment and counseling. Sure. I think that um, for me, you know, treatment is a 30 day just reprieve from your everyday norm. And mm -hmm. so for me, it was important to they take my phone. You know, I'm on call as a CEO of that organization and had you know, a lot of people that were looking to me for guidance, I needed to just take 30 days and move away from that. And that was real hard to do, yeah. but I was willing to do whatever it took. And I remember when I went into La, uh, La Hacienda and they said, we have this thing at like 530 in the morning and it's called Seekers. Yeah. I don't know if they still do that, but basically at 530 in the morning, it was optional and you could go up to the top of their hill and you would pray and you would do little devotional and you would sing. And they said, I remember them saying, you know, the people who do seekers, their rate of sobriety, like the people who are consistently doing that, their rate of sobriety, you know, after they leave here is much higher than people who don't. And, and I remember thinking, well, I don't know why that would be, yeah. but I'm going to do it. I had willingness to do what, whatever they told me to do. Mm -hmm. And so that, and it, and it doesn't take, 
It doesn't take much. So for the surrender aspect of it, you know, God is there and he doesn't, you know, a simple step towards God and he'll take 10 towards you is what I found. It yeah. doesn't make it difficult. Mm-hmm. We, I made it difficult, <laughs> um, you know, because I was over here hiding in my corner thinking I was this bad person, but the reality was he was there all the time and I was choosing and and not, not willing to make that first step. Um, but it, it's so clear to me now why the people who do seekers have that success rate. Yeah. And it's strictly because you're building a relationship with God. That's like right. that's what it is. And you're putting yourself in this, in this pattern of giving him the first few minutes of every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've continued that, you know, throughout my sobriety, every single morning when I wake up, that's the first thing I do. You know, my sponsor used to say all the time, before your feet hit the ground, you ask God to direct your thinking. You ask God, what does he have for you today? You know, and I have consistently done that for the last seven and a half years and it's grown. And, you know, I, I, I was heavily involved in AA for a long, long time. And, and at Los Angeles, they taught you the value of community. And I really yes. didn't understand that. I kind of operated in a vacuum, mm-hmm. you know, before I got sober, I was, I was running this company. I didn't really have any friends outside of people who worked for me. And it was just this vacuum that I operated in. Yeah. And so when I was at Laha and they were saying, you know, community is important. Again, I did not understand why it didn't compute but I did it. And so then when I got out, I realized I've got to build community around myself. So I got very involved in the 12 step programs and AA, which was phenomenal. Um, however, about right at the beginning of COVID, I kind of had this realization, um, you know, I could quote the big book forwards and backwards. Right. Um, but And I knew that the principles of the 12 steps all came from the Bible. They all came from the Oxford group. Um, and so I thought, well, if I can quote that book backwards and forwards, but I, I don't really, I don't really know the Bible as much. Why wouldn't I go to the original source? Yes. Because I had heard like, there's like thousands of promises. All the promises in the big book had come true for my life. But then I had heard that there's thousands of promises in the Bible. And I mean, it sounds kind of selfish. I'm going to go seek out the promises for myself, but whatever, you know, God uses whatever. So yeah. he brought me into the word and I started reading in the morning and what started out with just a little bit of time when COVID st- when COVID happened, I thought, you know, I want to come out of this pandemic just knowing my Bible better. Yeah. It turned into this thirst where I can't get enough of, of it. You know, it's it's how I start my day. And on days where I'm traveling or something else happens or, you know, we oversleep or whatever, my day is not the same. Yeah, but it's it that first few minutes in the morning for me um, that that shift how I operate for the next 12 hours. That's awesome, Melody. So tell us more, uh, what's your life like now with the Christ and in recovery and all the wonderful things that I know you have going on? You know, I I love um, sharing what God has done for me in my life with other people. I love being a source of encouragement. You know, it's, it's funny that um, how, you know, you found me on TikTok. I found the Christian side of TikTok to be incredibly encouraging for me during times that were challenging. Yeah. Um, on that Christian side of of hearing other creators and their walk with God. And and so, you know, when I came out of some really challenging times in the last few years, I decided, you know, I want to share what God has has done for me and what can he continues to do for me. Um, life today is wonderful. I wake up and, you know, my life is his. I want to be just a vessel that he gets to work through however he sees fit. 
And that makes life truly an adventure. Um, it, it truly does. You don't know what God is going to do next. And he's, there's been so many times where he has absolutely blown my mind, um, working things out in ways that I never could have imagined. And it's just a continued daily surrender to that. Yeah. You, you are a great, uh, encourager in the Lord, encourage any woman or single mother who may be in their active addiction, encourage them to get help and, and to seek Christ. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I am a single mom at this point as well, and I know it's difficult. I know it's, it's just, just life is as a single parent is difficult. Um, but God is right there with you and do not, do not sit in shame of what you've done or are doing, prevent you from making those steps toward God and, and starting your day in prayer and in the word. It truly is life changing. Um, when you bring the power of God into your life, um, and you walk with him, um, you know, finding out who my what my identity is in Christ again just living into that and breathing into that um I have some wonderful authors that I love like Priscilla Shire um she wrote a book called Fervent it's phenomenal um Mark Batterson is also a great author that has written books about you know understanding that we are we are called you know we are if you are a child of God we are called to live and share about him with others and the power of what he has done in our life. Um, I look back on my life and it's like, I've lived two different lives. It's like, you know, prior to 42 was one life. And then the last seven and a half years has been completely different. And it's, it's because I have um, this walk with Christ that is like nothing else. There's, there's nothing in this world that compares to it at all. Amen. And I concur and agree now, as we get ready to wrap up, I want you to speak about the burden on your heart. But before you do that, talk about going back to being mad at God and how important it is in overcoming being mad, disappointed, angry at God is the transparency and the relationship with God. Absolutely. You know, that first year of sobriety was really tough for me. And I can remember I was starting this relationship with God, this walk with him. So I didn't have a track record yet of his faithfulness. I didn't have experiences where he had shown up for ways for me that I could identify yet. Yeah. Clearly looking back there were, but at that point I didn't have that. And so there was this kind of abyss in the very beginning where I'm borrowing someone else's faith and their hope and seeing what they have and what I want from that and taking that and just the prayer. I can remember this prayer that I could pray. The only words that could could come out were God help me in, in a very difficult first year of sobriety. And, you know, he met me where I was. Mm -hmm. He absolutely met me where I was. I could not find even the words to, and it was, you know, three o'clock wake up calls with adrenaline rushes through my body of just panic because of the situation that was going on. And, you know, I don't have what I'd had for the past 30 years as my coping mechanism any longer. You know, I had this brand new relationship with God, but just, I would just encourage anyone who's in that position to just keep seeking. And what will happen is 
you continue seeking, God will continue to show up. You'll build this track record with him of his faithfulness. And that's what has happened that you can then go back and remember in another time of difficulty, because with life, whether you're sober or not, there are going to be difficulties, right? So you can go back and say, oh my gosh, God had me then he's going to have me now. Mm. So that's, that's just what I would encourage is just take that first step towards him. Continue, continue to do that. It was not just a one-time event that this happened. This is a daily surrender um, but just know that the promises that are in the Bible are true and he is faithful and he will uphold those promises and he draws near to you that are brokenhearted. So if you're going through something difficult, just know that you're not alone in that. I am so encouraged. We have been blessed by your wonderful testimony, your story, and I am blessed and encouraged by always watching your, your TikTok and your social media. So please keep doing that. I'm going to ask, will you please come back and share again on the show with us? Sure, I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed getting to talk with you today. Oh, well, thank you. And we'll have you back again soon. And to our viewers, please like, share, and subscribe. And please also, the way we're able to do the show is we survive on donations. So if you have an opportunity, visit us at FromBeerToTheBible.com. As I listen to Melody's testimony, it was a testimony of walking by faith and not by sight, trusting in the Lord one day at a time, seeking the Lord. Mm -hmm. And to close it all out, I would say that you are living proof that the Lord will never leave nor forsake us. The Lord will never leave nor forsake us. If you're suffering from addiction, sin, and shame, realize God is love. God is love and God is faithful and he's not mad at you. May God richly bless you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.